Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. And this is a chapter that uh, documents a decision that was made by Abram and Sarah to jump the gun and take it upon themselves to bring a child into their, into their existence. Now, someone may say, now what is, well, what's wrong with that? Well, number one, the problem here was, is it was promised by God that Abram would have a child from Abram's line. But the choice of, of the mother was upon Abram and Sarah. And then second was the timing. The timing wasn't God's. But again, when we do something on our own accord, and we see the downfalls, kind of like breaking something that's special to us, and then the next day the broken piece is now back where you had it, and we wonder who put it back together for us. And life, you know, life can turn out that way sometimes. But it doesn't have to if we listen to God and if we follow his steps. You know, if, if you break an expensive piece of china and then glue it together, at times the cracks are still visible, which shows the scars of the mishap in our lives. In our case, we could obtain baggage. But as always, the glory to God, because he took care of things when they didn't go well because of what we did. You know, God has a solution and an answer to all things. You know, his solution is not for us to control things, but it is for a changed life. And to have a changed life, one must first turn to God and to trust him when we see what comes from there. And now this chapter is definitely interesting in its content. Um, and the chapter itself it will speak for itself. But that's the awesome thing about the Word of God, is it doesn't give any false fairy tale stories, but real events regarding real people. And, and at times who did strange and foolish things. And as it's hard to read things that may seem embarrassing to read to us, all this does is prove its accuracy. Okay, after all, if, if we wrote down things that we did or said every day and looked back at it, we would say, what have I done? And the Bible it relates to all people from all walks. But the key is to bring all people on the same walk together with God. Looking at the previous chapter of chapter 15, we've seen that, that God had made the covenant with Abram. And, and God himself actually made the covenant as, as Abram observed him do it. And, and we see that God is the one who is truly in control. You know, and we look at Abram's life, and we could kind of see in the beginning stages forms of an up and down, um, not so much of an up and down relationship, but an, an up and down fall and a doing of well. Okay, I mean, before Abram decided to go to Egypt. And, and that was not of God. And then he returned to Canaan, the promised land. And he came back with his nephew. And his nephew Lot and him kind of uh, uh, were at odds over, over space in the land between each other's uh, uh, employees. And then Lot decided to move to, to the region of Sodom and Gomorrah, not far from where they were at. And then, and then had to be rescued by his, by his uncle. And then Abram came back. Everything was successful. And then the, and God made covenant with, with Abram. So we have now, we're gonna see some, some decisions that were made that weren't exactly <laughs> the most wisest, I suppose. Um, I, I call this jumping the gun. 
Okay, and we're, we're going to see why here. In, in Genesis chapter 16, if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it to Genesis chapter 16. If not, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, we're going to be looking at first verses 1 through 4. And it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. And then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So we've come to an interesting uh, situation. Yeah, Sarai has come to the point that, well, I can't have children, so I'm going to take the other road, and I'm going to give him to my handmaiden. Now, we would never consider this kind of practice in our day and age, uh, or at least the majority wouldn't, but this was a normal practice amongst the people of Ur, where uh, Abram and Sarah were from uh, originally, which was in uh, the Chaldean area of Iraq. And even though Hagar was the mother, maternally, Sarai would have been considered the mother by relation of Abram. So, who was Hagar? Okay, who was she? Well, she would have been, uh, she would have had to have been someone that they had obtained while they were in Egypt. I just mentioned earlier that Abram had uh, made a trip to Egypt when uh, the land of Canaan was in a famine. But during that time, it wasn't God's will for him to be there. So she, she most likely was obtained while they were in Egypt. So it looks like some years have gone by since what we've seen in chapter 15. You know, we have to keep in mind that a, a chapter in the Bible, especially in Genesis, could be many years later. And in this case, it looks to be about ten year, a 10-year gap. Uh, from uh, 15 to 16 in the chapters. So we go off of Abr Abram's age also to, to, uh, to help determine the times. But in 13 years from now is when the child of promise comes with the wife of Abram. Sarai decided to take matters in her own hands, as patience obviously had run out. And it was normal to see in the Bible that when something was promised or prophesied, it was pretty rare that an exact time was ever given by God. He never really gave times. Very very seldomly uh, was anything ever prophesied during a date. But it always happened. Now, as it says in, in verse 4, that as Hagar conceived, she was despised in Sarai's eyes. Okay? And yes, this was her idea. Looking at a situation, uh, jealousy could have been 99% of it all. You know, proving that Abram was fine and, and being fertile, uh, Sarai was obviously the one that could not bear the children. So the ability to conceive with someone right away was a tough pill to swallow for her, I'm sure. You know, childbirth was a pretty big deal in the form of a godly blessing, as where it was a curse if you couldn't bear children. And we see in the, in the actions of other people that free will and choices are given, but we're never free from the consequences of our actions. And sometimes we may think we're helping God move things along by, uh, by our doings, and that everything will happen accordingly, but it's amazing to see the lessons we can learn from. Okay, the doings of others, especially in the Bible. 
you know, we look at Abram in this case, and, and in the previous chapters, uh, we have Moses. You know, Moses, uh, Moses' life was diverse due to, uh, with his, within his 120 years of, of existence. And then we had King David, who King David lived the life of five men, so that, that guy really had quite a life that he had to live. And we'll eventually get to him one of these days. But his story is absolutely baffling. And the blessings that we have is the examples that God gave in his word of these people allowing others that have paved the way in both good choices of, of obedience and also of the disobedience and what came by it. Okay, he gave us the warning signs. This can be seen as a pre- as preventative measures, and we will definitely see how uh, and and why in so many ways. And again, what's neat is to be able to to look at this stuff and and realize that again that these aren't just ancient fairy tales or fables of sorts, and and these were real people. With situations that we ourselves, even in our day and age, from time to time can relate with. You know, we, we might be living in modern times compared to thousands of years ago when this, when this happened. But people really haven't changed a whole lot. We still to this day make decisions on our own that we shouldn't have. And, and so therefore we're going to continue to see these things. Nothing new under the sun. But again, God is the same then as he is now. And he and he still he still hears the prayers of his children. Now let's take a look at verses uh, verses five through six in chapter sixteen. And then Sarai said to Abram, "My wrong be upon you. I gave my maidservant into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me." So Abram said to Sarai, "Indeed." Your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So it wasn't too long ago have we seen the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. We had the serpent who was the devil who, who talked to Eve and who talked Eve into eating from the tree that God said not to touch. And then she talked Adam into eating it. And afterwards, after they did all of that, God questioned them and rebuked them. And then what did they do? They ended up blaming one another. See, we see the root system here uh, of not using wisdom and then blaming one another for bad decisions. And we can see a threefold problem in this conversation. Sarai became despised in Hagar's eyes. And the fact that she that she conceived a child from her husband was probably taken as a prize, an accomplishment uh, that was really without a whole lot of effort. And it would be looked at as Hagar was the better woman in her eyes, in her own eyes. That is, uh, the gift of having children is in the hearts of almost all women, and Hagar most likely became prideful, rubbing it in. You know, as a handmaiden, she would have been submissive uh, to Sarai in all aspects. She agreed to this arrangement, after all, Hagar did. So in a sense of, uh, there was a sense of newfound power, probably. It could have been in her heart, okay? I'm, I'm carrying the child of your husband, so now tables have been turned. And in Sarai's response to Abram, my wrong be upon you. She blamed Abram which was fitting by her name, as Sarai means contentious. But Abram, uh, Abram could have said no to the arrangement. 
he completely went for it. And, and God did speak to him on the promise that was going to be given, and it was not to do what he did with Hagar. And then third, Abram gave in to letting Sarai handle it uh, the way she wanted to. See, we see the importance of couples seeking God's will together. As one makes decisions and, and takes falls when something is not liked by the other, unfortunately. Abram was the spiritual head of the house. And we will see where, where the Lord said uh, to, to heed the voice of your wife Sarah. That, that, will be, uh, that will be something we will see here pretty soon. But the only time that, that that should be done is when God instructs us to do so. Which, which he did in certain circumstances. You see, we have, we have seen how God has used women in mighty ways in the Bible. But when couples seek the Lord together, there is a blessing beyond anything that we've expected. You know, there's the old saying that, that families that pray together stay together. And, and by seeking God's will, we reap the benefits as were those who jump into something on their own accord, well, they might reap something else other than the benefits. And, and we'll see the perfect example of what happens here. See, again, the Word gives us examples of what to do and what not to do. And that is always something that I, I myself have appreciated, is that it gives both ends. It wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just completely all... Uh, uh, perfect stuff, but it, it, we were seeing real accounts that we see today. And, and if we really observe the things that we see, how much better would we be if we, if we actually did what the Bible said to do? Or, or said not to do, depending on our circumstances. So again, ancient, ancient times does meet today's uh, actions at times. It, it's completely relevant. And then let's take a look here at verse 7, as it says, uh, from verse 7 to 10. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. So I've said it before, and I will continue to do so. See, God does not know sin, nor does God know how to do anything wrong. But the praise be to him that he knows exactly how to clean up the wrongs that we do. Again, the stains can still remain, which is why seeking him first keeps from uh, life-changing circumstances. I'll always stress that. But this could not have been uh, good for Hagar in a sense that she may have gone back to Egypt where she was from. And then, and if she were to attempt this, just the terrain alone would have killed her with, with no resources. But after all, she was found by an angel of the Lord by a spring of water in the wilderness. So she knew exactly where to go first. But looking to, looking to see where she was on her way to Shur, which was in that area of, of um, Egypt, she was in for a long journey. And it would have been a very dangerous journey. But we see the grace and the sovereign power of the Lord who shows up at the right time during times of distress. You know, we didn't get play-by-play -play words and actions in this chapter. But for a handmaid 
that's with child who took off and and was willing to face the dangers rather than to deal with what was going on at home you know the, these cultures back then they they took this uh this as a serious offense to a runaway servant a runaway servant that was not released by the people that they worked for so for a servant to run off on their master at this time was not uh, in favor and it could have resulted to death in cases see he tells her to go back and to submit to sarai is that was technically what she did in the first place by becoming her handmaid. You know, working on her attitude towards Sarai would definitely be pleasing to God, be pleasing to him first, and then a peaceful, pleasant life for her would come into play. But as he told her first to return and submit, he gave her some news that was a blessing to hear as a mother-to-be. He said, Your descendants will be multiplied exceedingly, so they shall not be counted for multitude. And, and we see the mercy of God as this was not what he commanded Abram to do. But he had something in store for her as she was the handmaid who did uh, what she was told by Sarah and, and Abram. But returning to, to her duty, God meets those where they're at. As it reminds me of what Christ said at times, when there's when there's a hundred sheep being led and one of them goes astray... He will leave the 99 to go after the 1. And we're, you know, we at times have no idea what God has in store, as did Hagar. So the Lord is, is a God of surprise sometimes. You know, Abram was so close to God, we, we don't have any idea if Hagar was in any way. If she even knew who God was, we, we don't know. But he definitely made his presence known. And, and more importantly, to have him received. And, and he proves again, God himself proves again, to be the father of all. So that's the blessing here again that we see, is that we have no idea where Sarai was, I mean not Sarai, but where Hagar was in her knowledge of God, or, or within a relationship. But God had a plan. He had a plan for her, regardless of the circumstances. Now let's take a look here at, at verses 11 to 16. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roya. Observe it, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore, Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And that's the end of chapter 16. So the son that she is having is Ishmael. Who would be the, Ishmael would be the founding father of the Arab nations. And Hagar recognized the Lord by confessing that you are the God who sees. See, she was seen by the, by the spring. 
and also told what her child would be in for as well. So he is a, he is a God who sees all things, present time and future. After all, we do, we do get prophecy by the future. So from the looks of it, she did what she was told. She returned and, and submitted to Abram and, and named his son Ishmael as, as was told. Now again, seeing God's hand fix the things that people do is an awesome gift. Sarai suggested that the other woman, to have the other woman give birth. Abram willingly went for it. And then he refused to handle the situation, and Hagar ran away when strife entered the household. So these are just a few of the problems that we see just in this little bit of the chapter. And again, glory to God. See, anyone else would have looked at this situation and said, I'm not touching this one. Okay, but yet nothing is too big or or complicated for God to fix. You know, there's a well-known passage in Romans chapter 8. And it says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Now, this is not a passage that says, do what you want, and and God will allow it. It, What this passage does is it reassures us of who is watching us and coming to our need in the hardest times. Unfortunately, I've heard this uh, particular passage used in in many cases. um, And unfortunately, it was used out of context. This seems to be a very famous passage that people like to use um, when somebody does something foolish. Uh, but And that's true. God does fix things. But this particular passage has nothing to do with, with uh, doing whatever we want. And, and I will continue to repeat myself to get the grasp that God did not build crooked roads. Man did. Okay, man builds crooked roads. The path of God... And path to God is always a straight path. So again, the path of God and path to God is a straight path only. And when we're driving down a freeway or a highway, they, you know, they have these little rough edges on the, uh, on the sides or these bumps right off to the sides of the road. And, and if you've ever found yourself kind of rearing off a little bit, it, it's, it starts to get very rough and it's, it's, Causing your car to bounce and your tires to bounce because it's there to let you know that you're going off of the road. And God allows us sometimes to hit some bumpy roads so that we know what it feels like to be running off a road. Okay? Versus driving on the straight and smooth path that God paved. See, He will let us experience it to know the difference. And looking at Hagar, she did two things right here. She recognized the existence of God first. And second, she obeyed when the angel of the Lord, um, as he appeared, and by that she received the blessed news. And, and there is blessed news for every one of us. That by receiving the Lord in your heart, that you obtain eternal life in heaven by the grace and mercy of God and through the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ, his son. And at times we might feel just like Hagar did, you know, as she was running from her situation, and feel like that you're in the wilderness as well. But you see, just like her, he meets you right where you're at. You know, he met Abram right there in his land of Ur in in Iraq and called him out of there. Hagar was from Egypt and was spoken to as she was trying to run away. 
In many, many testimonies that I've heard, God has spoken to people wherever they were at, in whatever the situation. Now, at times we pray that that it doesn't have to be uh, a rock-bottom situation, but he uses those as he did in this case. But may we get to a point to where we don't have to hit rock bottom in order to have a relationship with him. Because I've said before too that that having having a relationship with God should not have to resort to that. And it might make for a good testimony, but God doesn't care about where we came from. He cares about where we're going, which is most importantly to him. So when we look at this situation between Hagar and Sarai, we probably do not relate to the thing that happened here. Maybe somebody can. But whatever the case may be, we've all ran from something. But now it comes down to from running from something to running to the Lord. And this is, again, where the opportunities come into play is to run to Him. So as you're listening to this, Maybe maybe you'd be thinking to yourself that, well, you know what, I've made some choices too that were not the best. Yes, I'm running from something. I'm running from a situation. And see, that's the thing about God is He brings us right back onto the road when we go astray. God will use your situation. And He will use it per His glory. But what you have to do is you have to submit to Him now. You have to submit to Him and allow Him to work in your life. But again, you have to be a part of Him. You have to receive Him as the Father. And that's the only way to make it to Him and to heaven. And so, as always, uh, I want to give the opportunity uh, to do so here. Whether, whether your life is in shambles right now, or maybe you're living on top of the world, it don't matter how well we're doing right here on earth or how bad we're doing on earth. The key is to get us into eternity. Because at, at any given moment, everything can change. The Bible stands so true as we've observed the life of different people, that, that things have happened within a matter of a quick decision that didn't always work out. And so again, we're going to do that from time to time. But we need an advocate. We need a, we need a savior. We need somebody that could fix what it is that we've done. Or maybe fix whatever it is that somebody else has done. So if you want to receive him as Lord and Savior, if you want to make it to heaven, you can only do so by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. So if you want to receive him now, then repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Wash me, Lord, of all of my sins, Father, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross, Lord. As I believe that you have died 
and resurrected. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would come into my heart as I receive you as Lord, Savior, and Father. As Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. And I thank you for having me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, may God bless you and keep you as always. May you stay the course. May we stay the course together. And again, may God's word be, be relevant in your life. May, may, may everything be shining as a bright light. And if you've gone astray, then may you make your way back. Many have done that. We all fall. But he's there to pick us up. So may God bless and keep you and your families and those around you. God bless you.